curveball that you weren't sure what to do with? You know, the kind where you think someone should really do something about this. Have you ever thought maybe that someone is me and then found yourself on a grand adventure you never saw coming? Me too. As a special needs mom, I have been saddened by what's available to my son. But instead of wallowing in it, I decided to do something about it. Along the way, I'm meeting extraordinary people and having the most wonderful experiences I never thought I'd have. I'm so inspired by what's happening around me that I want to share it all with you. Living Your Legacy is a community where ordinary people who've been called to create something bigger than themselves can come together to be inspired, connect, learn, and live into the legacies they want to see in the world. I'm your host, Michelle Slaney Travato, and this is the Living Your Legacy podcast. everyone, Michelle Slaney-Trovato here. So excited to welcome you to another episode of the Living Your Legacy podcast. On this podcast, we talk to legacy makers and the professionals who support them. We also offer skills and tips and tools and strategies to help you jump in and create your own legacy, the legacy that's going to make you proud when you are way older in your life, you know, not like when you're 20, like the two of us on this call today, <laughs> um, or you know, you're way up there, you're on your deathbed, you're, you're waiting and you look back on your life and you think these things made me proud. And we talk to people who help you get proud of the things that you do and the impact you make in your life. And today, of course, is no exception. I would like to introduce you to my friend, Kim Curtis. Welcome to the call, Kim. Thanks, Michelle. Look forward to our discussion today. Oh, me too. We had a pre-call and it was so much fun that I couldn't wait to get her on the call today. So let me tell you a little bit about Kim. Kim is the best-selling author of Money Secrets, Keys to Smart Investing and Retirement Secrets. Well, I'll tell you right there, smart investing and retirement secrets we all need. So we are going to dig into that. She is a nationally recognized wealth management advisor and president and CEO of Wealth Legacy Institute. Ooh, there's one of my favorite words, legacy. <laughs> Can't wait to talk about that. Her groundbreaking work in developing a highly personal client-centric planning model was recognized in the Journal of Practical Estate Planning, winning the Editor's Choice Award. Congrats. That's a pretty big mm -hmm. honor. She has been profiled in several publications, including the Wall Street Journal. Kim has attained numerous professional designations and been recognized by the financial planning industry as having achieved the highest level of competence and expertise. Well, who doesn't want to achieve that? That's amazing. Congratulations. Thanks, Michelle. That's funny. <laughs> I love it. So, Kim. Let's start out by getting your story. You know, when you're in grade four and the teacher says to you, what do you want to be when you grow up? A best-selling author of Money Secrets. Well, people might say they want to write a book, but not a best-selling author. Um, and then, you know, being a recognized wealth management advisor, definitely not in the top thousand that any kid would come up with. So how, no. what's the journey that took you to that place? That is such a big question. And it's the first time I've been asked that question. So I'm intrigued. So I would say as a fourth grader, um, I was too busy making sure I had lunch and that <laughs> no one would steal it from me. <laughs> uh, and, and, 
getting the best ride on the playground that, you know, the monkey bars, uh, so that no one else could have them. I think that as a fourth grader and when we show up in life, I was too busy being a disruptor as a fourth grader, just like a troublemaker or uh, somebody that, that couldn't sit still. Mm -hmm. And so that would be kind of the start of having no, I'm sure that my teachers didn't know if I would ever finish school. (laughs) (laughs) Especially in fourth grade. Well, you showed them. So what was your journey? How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, that is a huge question that I think all of your listeners and uh, viewers can really appreciate the struggles along the way. Mm -hmm. So um, when I was in high school, my parents got divorced and my mom got full custody of three teenage girls and she had no employable skills. So she applied for and received government assisted lunches for us. So I had this little red ticket, similar to like a raffle ticket mm-hmm. that you can imagine today yeah. that I would have to give to that cashier in the lunch line. And, and that exchange was shame, unworthiness, who am I? Mm-hmm. I'm not enough. We all, at different times in our life, probably if you're lucky enough, don't have those messages. But uh, that was the message that I had. And so my mom had something that was very important. And she had the value of education because Mm -hmm. she didn't finish hers because she got married at 17. So she, uh, I went to college and went to law school Mm -hmm. and quickly defaulted on my school loans. I had no business whatsoever understanding school loan debt, how that impacts your credit report, uh, Mm -hmm. the implications of that in your life for the next decade. I, I was completely unconscious around money. And so many of us are it. Well, one of the things that I always say, Michelle, is how you do money is how you do life. If your head is in the sand on money somewhere in your life, your head is in the sand elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And so I had an anonymous person put a thousand dollars, Michelle, on my school loan debt. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I opened up my statement, because remember, I was unconscious. I wasn't aware. I wasn't, you know, when you're not opening up your bills when you're Mm -hmm. in denial. Yep. But I did. And noticed that there was a thousand dollars less. And in today's dollars, that debt was about ninety-two thousand dollars. It was significant, where you could feel the weight of that on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the inability to kind of launch because that debt was so massive. But it was interesting when that happened, it was almost instantaneous in terms of like a snap of because it was anonymous, I had to ask, like I couldn't go to them, what do you want from me? Or what do you see in me? Mm-hmm. I had to ask those questions to myself of who am I? What do they see in me? Who do I want to be? And what am I going to do different? Mm-hmm. And it was at that point that I, it wasn't like an immediate life change. It was just a snap in terms of how I perceive myself mm-hmm. that allowed me to ask different questions and allow me to no longer blame or complain or, or put the burden on others as to who I was going to be. I recognized that I was in control. And that I had to be cognizant of the choices I made so that I could have different outcomes. And that's that's the start. Yeah, that's a, that's a profound thing to start thinking that I need to be more in control here because so many people see money as controlling them. Yes. I would say the lion's share, uh, particularly women 
see money as controlling them. I, I think that we've been socialized uh, around money and our role around money. If you think about how it was created, it was created by men uh, 200 years ago, I mean, for global exchange and even money in a different form was way beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if the languaging around it is, is not even exciting for us as women. You know, GDP, gross domestic product, Federal Reserve, inflation, I, all of those things are not really compelling and loving and thoughtful. They're not sexy. Mm-mm. They're not sexy. Yes. And honestly, when we think about couples, that's like probably the second most thing that we argue over. Mm-hmm. And we can all guess what the number one thing is, you know, besides parenting, it's not <laughs> it's not money. Money's number two. So. There's so many issues around it that allow us as women to stay on the sidelines mm-hmm. and not be engaged as we should be. Yeah, that that's really profound. And, you know, being that women are in general 51% of the world's population, having more knowledge, understanding, and self-power around money literally could change the world. You You nailed it. You absolutely nailed it because uh, research demonstra- has demonstrated with the World Health Organization and United Nations that when you have communities that struggle, that if you give the women jobs or opportunity to create something, to, to create income, mm-hmm. that that income goes to the betterment of the greater good of that community, um, unlike studies where it has been the opposite. So if we recognize that if we became more engaged around money mm-hmm. in a way that was empowering, then that would make a huge difference as it relates to the generation behind us, as it relates to our children and grandchildren Mm -hmm. and being present in that conversation and turning it into one that matters to you, which is family, Mm -hmm. you know, taking care of your mom, making sure your children go to school and get smart if that's important to you. So uh, those things we lean in, those -hmm. are important to us. And we all want to be involved in a financial plan. When we do financial planning, the men may, may have the interest in investing, but when you bring in the financial plan goal setting, all of a sudden the women step up. Mm-hmm. And then together, more often than not, it's the first time that they're on the same page with joint goals. Wow, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that, um, about that perspective in relationships mm-hmm. and how to engage women on that side of things. That's really cool. Now, I want to just step back before we carry on down that path, because that's fascinating. I want to know how you got from being a lawyer who was drowning in debt, opened up that statement to where you are now. There was a shift, but money and law are not necessarily connected unless someone is paying for a lawyer. So walk me through that transition. That is a gap that I missed, didn't I? Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there, I never practiced law. My area of expertise was negotiation, mediation, and arbitration. So I was with a national dispute resolution firm that was headquartered out of New York City, Mm -hmm. and uh, I worked in Denver and in Salt Lake City. So um, what happened is I moved up in that organization, and I no longer became a – I no longer um, was doing settlement conferences. I was no longer in the heart of the matter. I became a spokesperson. Uh, talking to Bankers Association and Realtors Association to put clauses in contracts uh, to not go to court. Mm -hmm. Um, And so by the time I was 30, I actually had a friend that was in human resources and they, you know, who doesn't have a friend in human resources that has access to assessments? Mm -hmm. And so it was a quiz Mm -hmm. that I took that said, 
financial planning, finance would be an area that I would do well in. And so I ended up in finance from a quiz, Mm -hmm. really wanting to expand myself to get back into the heart of the matter of working with clients directly. And uh, so that was, you know, at 30 opening, going to Salt Lake to open up a Salt Lake City office, I really believed that I ruled the world, so to speak. You know, you don't know what you don't know in your 20s. (laughs) (laughs) Like I thought I had a key to the restroom or the boys room, so to speak, in that setting. Um, but what happened is when I started in finance and financial planning, I was like, oh, this is a piece of cake and three to five years, no problem. Well, to all you listeners out there and viewers, I was so badly mistaken. It was much harder than I ever could have dreamed of. And, but I still had optimism Mm -hmm. five to seven years. And then ultimately I did have to succumb to the seven to 10 year timeline that I would finally be in control of my destiny. And it really did take uh, that seven to 10 year timeline. And for entrepreneurs that are listening, I think there's something about a seven year thing that if you get there and you're lucky enough to get past seven, that generally the odds are in your favor that success will follow. And in the nature of, of financial planning and money, I started out with a firm, but ultimately created my own firm. And so the entrepreneurial spirit was very alive in me. So it was a long seven to 10 years before I actually paid myself mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. versus my team. And, and, and uh, I created Wealth Legacy Institute 16 years ago. And it is like a small giant. It's this boutique firm that absolutely does enormous work that's ripples, that ripples throughout the world. If you think of if you're affecting the parents, then you're affecting the grandchildren and their children. And hopefully generations not even born yet. That's what I look forward to in the work that we do. I love that. The idea of generational wealth is so appealing, right? We certainly as parents think about taking care of our kids in the now and how can we help them in the future with whatever their goals are. Maybe we want to pay for their wedding or we want to help them have a down payment for their first place, which in my city is huge. Um, In some places you might want to pay for the whole place. Um, maybe it's to help your child who's going into the trades, get a work truck or buy the tools that they need, um, or to be financially able to be a present grandparent, meaning I can help take care of my grandkids and let my children either have a date night or go to work or whatever. And I can help them out that way. And so we definitely think of those things. Um, we wonder how we're ever going to be able to do it, but to think beyond that, to think, well, how can I help my grandchildren? How can I help my great-grandchildren? How can I help my children to be able to help generations beyond me? And that requires thought and effort. And you're right, as as moms, we definitely lean into that conversation. How can I be better today so that I can help my children be better tomorrow? I love (laughs) that. So now tell me about your book, Money Secrets, Keys to Smart Investing and Retirement Secrets. I can't wait to get it. Is it out yet? It is. Both of them are out. Um, And Money Secrets won four book awards. I love that book because it pulls back the curtain on the financial services industry Mm -hmm. to reveal why smart people make bad investment mistakes. And so it's a blueprint on how to do that. And at the end of each chapter are questions that you should ask yourself or that your financial advisor should be asking you if you have one. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just think it's it's a book that gives clients who want outside advice armor. Mm-hmm. So when they go and interview advisors, uh, if they choose to do that, that they know what they're looking for and they're protected by 
what the questions that are in there. Um, and so it starts out talking about planning and kind of how to do it and kind of the big disruption and the myths out there in the, you know, with the Wall Street. And then it goes into types of investing and how um, and planning. So that's a great book. Retirement Secrets is a very different book. Mm -hmm. uh, I had within a matter of three months, uh, believe it or not, three different clients ask me, is there a book that when we step off in retirement, how to live that next life? And it was unrelated to money. They wanted like a lifestyle book. Mm -hmm. And it had what, first of all, I'd never been asked that question before. And so, of course, being a researcher and a data girl, I had to go buy the books and read all these books on retirement lifestyle. And most of them were terrible, just absolutely terrible. And so uh, there was one book that had potential, but it was that but it was not written well. Mm. And so I, I kind of took the bones of the idea of that book and created retirement secrets with my knowledge and with stories from my clients. And that's what Retirement Secrets is, is a guide to, you know, once you step off, how do you have success for the next 30 years? That's such and a one of the question. biggest secrets out of that, which I will share, is your new job is, is exercise. Your new job is to work out all parts of your body uh, uh, with weight training and strength training uh, so that you have the body that can withstand the time. Uh, and, and that also helps cognitively, uh, with your brain. Indeed. So it has way more things like that. There actually is a retirement destination checklist in there for if you want to relocate, uh, cool. it has a lot of checklists in there. It has a couple's conversations, uh, to ask each other before one or both of you step off so that you're mm -hmm. on the same page. And it has a lot of stories that really helps couples navigate or even individuals figure out what their next next is. The biggest is a retirement mapping, mm -hmm. and it has over 500 plus activities that you could do in retirement that if you go through this mapping exercise, you just cross off, cross off, cross off, cross off, and then whatever is remaining, like you could identify one through four, one being like, I really am intrigued by this idea, or I used to do this when I was younger and lost track because of my time. And that really allows you to then create this blueprint of some activities that you may want to get involved in when you step off. That is so, that's so interesting. You're right. Like we talk about retirement. We talk about hoping that we have enough money to be able to retire, but there's very few people that actually map out what life will look like. It's like this, it's like this great void. I recently went on a trip with my kids and the map on my car, when we would run out of Wi-Fi, would literally disappear. I'm like, oh, look, we're driving off the edge of the planet because there was nothing. <laughs> you could see nothing. It was just a grid. And that's kind of what people look at retirement life as. Uh, you know, can I save up? Can I get there? And then it's the great void. What is this going to be? And not really realizing that, like everything else, we should be actually planning for it because otherwise... You don't just retire from your job, you retire from life. And that's not Oh, okay. I love that. That's a great quote. You just nailed it. Yeah. You don't want to retire from life. You want to retire from your job. So I love those things. Um, and I love how all these amazing questions prompt you to go out there and be like, hmm, somebody needs to do something about this. And I'm going to look around. And if there's nothing that I like, well, I'll do something about that. And as I said before the call, I love me a checklist. Oh, 
<laughs> yes, you did. <gasps> Check. Like, I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people who at the end of the day actually adds the extra things I did just so I can check them off. <laughs> I literally do that. I'm one of those girls. There's something to be said for those type A girls. <laughs> I know. It's, it's a total thing for me. Um, and so let's talk a little bit now about... Okay, we got the transition. We got how you moved to, you know, away from working with people wanted to get back to the heart of the matter. I love how you said that. You wanted to be at the heart of things. So you moved into financial planning, realizing mm-hmm. of course there's a need and there is a huge need. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the aging parent checklist because that's kind of a natural progression as things moved on for you in life. You set up mm-hmm. your business, it's going really well. And then what happened with mom? So, so my older sister, um, lived close to my mom Mm -hmm. and her husband retired and they want, he wanted to live elsewhere. And so they actually moved to a different community, several hours away from my mom. Mm -hmm. And she was right at the point where I felt like it's easy as a sibling to be like, why would you do that? Like, Right when we need you the most. And yet it's really not fair to your siblings right. to, to do it. But it's so easy to do, I will confess. Mm-hmm. So the collaboration with my sister and I was really what you don't know, which you should have known. And, and the financial piece, we pretty much nailed it. I mean, we were on top of that. One of the things that was really important to me when I would fly back into town is uh, we put both of our names on my mom's checking accounts, all of her banking. Mm-hmm. And she had a safe deposit box. If your parents have a safe deposit box, close it out and make sure there's not will documents inside of the safe deposit box because you cannot access it until uh, you identify uh, who is the, uh, the executor trustee. of the will. Yeah. Trustee, yeah. The executor. However, mm-hmm. yep, yep, uh, of, of that. Right. So I was going to say administratrix or administrator, but executor. Um, so, so. Take care of that right out of the gate. Uh, also, on the financial side, make sure there are beneficiaries. First of all, find out all the assets that they may or may not have. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it may just be the house. Mm-hmm. And if it's a house, consider uh, drafting, having an attorney draft a life estate mm-hmm. so that at their death, the property automatically transfers to the heirs without having to go through probate. Oh. And that was really significant because it allowed my sister and I to be able to put my mom's house on the market relatively fast uh, because we both were flying into town and out. Um, So that was a big one. The life estate was significant uh, and we were able to sell it within several months. The the key, as granular as this may be, um, it goes to visit and see what they slowly are unable to do. Mm -hmm. When you don't live there, you don't necessarily recognize certain behaviors that are different or you recognize it right away. Mm-hmm. that they're no longer taking care of the house like they used to. So you bring in someone that comes in and cleans every other month, every, every other week. So that is the start of different things. Mm-hmm. And then it's, she can't get out of bed as easily. So do you need a different type of bed or a lower bed that's close to the ground or maybe a bed cane that actually goes under the mattress that they could like a handle mm-hmm. that they could pull up to get up from the bed. So those are just simple things. And there's organizations that actually provide a lot of free stuff, like a wheelchair or one of those beds that fold up, mm-hmm. uh, like a Lions Club or some of those affinity organizations actually have a lot of those supplies. 
Uh, and that was really helpful. But as detail as when they no longer can talk to you, what are their favorite songs? And create a playlist. So we did that. We were able to do that. Um, and so when she couldn't communicate, we actually were able to play the music that she really loved. And for my mom, it was hymns. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, it was, true. it was a lot of hymns. And we lit candles and different things. Mm -hmm. But knowing uh, one of the things was she loved to have her hair brushed. Mm -hmm. So if you could have those conversations ahead of time with your aging parent and then with your siblings so that everyone knows their role. Mm -hmm. My sister and I knew that I would have the financial role that was easy for me. And she was more, she knew the people in the community. Right. So the very first thing we did before she moved is created a, a, a Jackie list. She goes to church on this day. She gets her hair done here. She gets her nails done this way. Here are the family that live nearby. Here are her siblings, her daughters. Here is her pastor. And here are her key friends. And here are the neighbor. Here's the neighbor who mows the lawn. And here's this neighbor who lets out the dog sometimes and keeps an eye. So to put that together, that was all in my sister's head before she moved away mm -hmm. was really, really powerful because yeah. we kept that on the fridge mm -hmm. uh, with one of those pink sheets that exist when you know whether your parent wants to, to be revived or not. And she wanted to stay at home. Mm -hmm. She said, I am leaving with my feet going out of this house first. And she absolutely did. We were we were blessed that we were able to do that for her. I love all those things you said, especially that list to have on the fridge, because then it really doesn't matter. So say, for example, there's a 911 call. She's fallen and, and the police mm -hmm. come in. They have access to that document to be able to know, like, how to reach you guys, how to who's the nearest neighbor that can come help. Right. It's all listed there for them. So that's super handy. Um Again, if there's any professionals that are coming in, like the lady who's cleaning the house becomes an mm -hmm. ally because she might notice things that you both not living that close would not necessarily see and can then reach out to you and say, hey, I'm noticing this new thing is happening or this thing she used to be able to do isn't happening. And, you know, they become an ally for you um, to be able to better support your parent. And I love that her favorite music. Like who thinks of these things, yeah. but it is important if your mm -hmm. parent is going into a home or needs that extra support or becomes agitated, music can have the power to calm a person. And if you already know, and there's a playlist, then that makes it that much easier because anybody can Google a song and get that up real quick. Yeah. Um, so I love that, which also explains why the checklist is 26 pages long because there's a lot of detail <laughs> in there. That's right. And I didn't know about the uh, safety deposit box um, because that's a, that's an important one if your mm -hmm. parent has one to make sure that you get that closed out and put the stuff elsewhere, uh, maybe a safe in the house or something, because then at least, you know, you can access it. I had no idea about that. Funny story. I remember once, and this is a total little tangent about a will, um, when I was a teenager. So we had had a car accident. Um, I was 19. My sister was 18. My mom was not 19 or 18, but not old. <laughs> and um, she and my dad were going away for a weekend. Now, 
prior in between the accident and then my mom was a nurse at the time and she couldn't go back to work because she had broken two of the vertebrae in her back. So she decided to go to university, which at the time, both my sister and I were attending. And so we took some classes together. It was really funny um, and not so funny. We took a psychology <laughs> course called adulthood and aging. She said I was doing the adulthood. She was doing the aging. It got quite entertaining. But she was doing this English course and she was reading the novel, The Heart of Darkness. And I remember they were leaving and she had this essay that she wanted me to read because I was an English major. So she wanted me to read this essay. And I remember looking at it and I said to her, it's good, mom, uh, but we just need to get an introduction and a conclusion. And my mom lost her mind. And she got so mad and she was storming through the house and yelling. And I'm thinking, I don't even know what's happening here. And the last thing she said to me as she went out the door and I'm standing there literally with my mouth open was, and if I don't come back, the will's in the bottom drawer. Interesting. <laughs> so it's been a standing family joke now. I'm like, mom, is the will still in the bottom drawer? Is, is, that, where, is that where we're still keeping it? And that's like 30 plus years later. Um, but it was good to know. I actually knew then from a time I was 19 where the will was in the house so I could find it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, just a funny story on that one. But it is important to know, right? Again, I don't live anywhere close to my mom. She right. lives clear across the country from me. So knowing where to find those things, knowing, you know, um, our names are on her bank accounts, where if you don't live in the same area as your parents, where do they bank? What is their branch? Because those right. people are likely to actually have a relationship That's with true. your parent. Um, so those are super important things to know because as things progress, your parent may not be able to tell you that information anymore. And of course, that's who you're going to go to, to say like, mom, where do you go to the bank? Like, which one do you go to? And your mom's like, I don't know. Well, now right. you, you got to figure it out. And you, you know, you, you could, I suppose, throw your mom in the car and be like, at every branch, do you know this lady? Does she bank here? But then people would start thinking you were a bit weird if you did that. Yeah, you know, like, it's really important to put together those kinds of lists and to have a really the difficult conversation with your parent. Many adult children feel like it's inappropriate to have a conversation with their aging parent because they feel like it's invasive. Mm -hmm. And actually it's, it's so like, they don't want to leave a burden to you. They of may course. not necessarily feel comfortable talking about it, but they don't mm -hmm. want to be a burden to you. And so to bridge that conversation in lots of different ways and the aging parent guide talks about, conversation starters mm -hmm. so that it's not as awkward as you may feel initially coming out of it for the first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally understand that. And in fact, you could take that and if you have a spouse or a partner, also use that for your spouse and partner, right? Just to, to document mm -hmm. some of those things. Mm -hmm. um, even like passwords, like what's their Facebook password? You don't want to, you know, be trying to figure that out after the fact. Um, That's a big one. And we have that in the guide is to mm -hmm. make sure that you have access to their passwords. Because mm -hmm. that's so important. And it does ease a lot of things. Like I think even their cell phone bill to try and cancel mm -hmm. somebody else's cell phone bill is almost impossible. Right. <laughs> like It's so hard because obviously <laughs> they, they have protections and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff so that, you know, random people can't go in and just cut off your cell phone bill. Um but if you had their password and it's online, you can go in and just, you know, deal with it really quickly without all the headache and hassle and 57 copies of a death certificate and all the rest of it. <laughs> everybody wants one. So yep. 
you're going to spend a small fortune getting certified copies done. Um, so that's really amazing that you did that. And I, I love how like it's all come together. Thank you for being a part of the Living Your Legacy podcast community in 2022. We can honestly say 2023 is going to be an exciting year. We've got some new things going on that we'd like to share with you. The Living Your Legacy podcast is now offering advertising spots. We found many entrepreneurs spent lots of money on advertising last year, only to find that they weren't falling in front of their ideal audience. We'd love to help you get your message out. Let's discuss this. Click the link in the show notes to book a time to chat and see if this could be a good fit for you. Now let's circle back again, because I'm so interested in the topic of women and finances and financial planning and how we can get women to kind of lean in a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, and how to empower women. I mean, the reality is most of us in our households, we buy the groceries, often we pay the bills. We certainly take care of the kids' stuff, buying shoes, buying clothes, paying for this event or that field trip. Like that definitely generally falls to the women in the family. But if someone is looking at this and thinking, not me, it's not me. I don't know how to do all this. I wouldn't even have the foggiest clue where to start to create this kind of legacy or future or this dream they have for their children, what would be some tips that you would give people to get them started? I, I, you know, again, we already talked about the relationship with women is complicated with money. It's a complicated relationship because of historically where we were uh, and where we've come from. And we were not given the same rights and responsibilities that men had back in the day. So if you think about and not even being able to vote. Mm -hmm. So, and, and also like my mom was raised more to be seen, not heard mm -hmm. as, as a, as a young woman. And, and my grandmother um, had like a stash of money and she taught my mom to have a stash of money. Well, my great grandmother, my grandmother and my mom, they all kind of came from that whole thread. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't for wealth or empowerment. It was for safety, safety. and protection, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, very different than opportunistic. Mm -hmm. So I think it starts with unpacking what those stories have been through generationally, the stories that, that are in you that you may not know that they exist. Mm -hmm. So in our firm, we call it humanographics, humanity on a graph. And we basically plot the family structure and then uh, we up as far back as you can go and then down through your children and grandchildren. Um, and then we ask questions beyond structure. Um, what were your money stories? What were their occupations? First educated, where did they come from? Mm -hmm. uh, religious backgrounds, values that come through, money stories that they remember. So that it could trigger, oh my goodness, the reason I'm tight with money is it's not me, it was my grandfather who went through the depression. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stop that in this generation mm -hmm. and teach it moving forward so that there could be fun mm -hmm. in our household. So, so that is one way to do it. The other is mindset is these limiting beliefs that we have. Like I shared mine in the very beginning. Mine was that red ticket. Mm -hmm. And I also shared about my grandmother and my, and my great grandmother in terms of being safety and protection, not opportunity. So one, it's we have receptors in our body that trigger 
all kinds of emotions and we have a money receptor, believe it or not, because mm-hmm. money is the thread that touches every single aspect of our lives from our health mm-hmm. to our relationships, uh, to our community yep. and our families. So if we understand that money is an energy that touches everything that, that determines its outcome, Mm-hmm. then it's easier to know that we have these receptors on money uh, that trigger us. So the other day I was with my son mm-hmm. and my son is 21 and he saw a Lamborghini and he was like, mom, look at, look, 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 mom. And I'm thinking car, weird color, yellow. Uh, Very low seen, to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> he, it, from from a, a, a young man's perspective, it's success. Mm-hmm. From my perspective, it was who would spend that much money on a vehicle? Oh my God. We just, I literally had that conversation with my son yesterday because we saw a Lamborghini. And I thought, right. That's hard to get in and out of. Like, that was my first <laughs> Not to mention the functional aspect of it yeah. versus practical. Mm-hmm. So, so, those are ways to trigger and recognize what those stories may be that you have. And if you could start to unpack some of those stories to then be, is that a story that I still want? Mm-hmm. Is it holding me back? Yeah. What new story am I going to tell myself? And that's really everything that I went through when that gift uh, happened. And I would love to, get, to give that gift to your listeners and to, and to the viewers is that it starts, it's an inside job, not an outside job. Mm-hmm. It's not other people, it's you. Mm-hmm. And that when we say we need money, we need money. No, it's quite the opposite. Money needs you and money is looking for you. Hey, talk a little about that. That was such the first time we talked, I was so touched by that comment because nobody ever thinks money is looking for us. We are always looking for money. We, I can't afford this, or I wish I could have that, or gosh, that bill that I'm, you know, not opening the the bill on like, cause I don't really want to pay it or I know it's there and it's like driving me crazy. I can't get rid of it, but nobody ever thinks that money is looking for them. So talk to us about that. How does that work? So I, I will start with a story. So I grew up in Buffalo, New York, which straddle where Niagara Falls is that straddles mm-hmm. the Canadian border and the state of New York. And Niagara Falls provides a lot of power, electricity for the state of New York. Mm -hmm. So that energy from Niagara Falls is actually the power that Niagara Falls gets is basically from the power plants that line its banks. Mm -hmm. That's similar with money. Money has no power until we give it your ideas and your imagination and your creativity because money has no value. It's only the value we give it. So It needs your ideas and creativity to become of use to the world, similar to Niagara Falls needing those power plants to provide power to the state of New York. Hmm. So if we understood that money is looking for us because it has nothing, we created it. Right. So if we know that money is looking for us, what ideas do we have for it? Because ideas are abundant. They're unlimited. Mm -hmm. And many of them aren't that great, but we don't care when it's (laughs) ideas because ideas are just ideas. Right. So we tend to think money is limited and scarcity. And if you have it, I can't or whatever our baggage is around abundance and scarcity. But if we knew that money was unlimited, excuse me, and abundant, because it can't be anything until we give it something to become something, Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden it opens up this whole wide 
um, framework or um, what's a better word for it? Disrupting that whole mental map that we have mm-hmm. with a whole new paradigm. Mm-hmm. So I think that if we understand that money is looking for us, then all of a sudden we are no longer battling anymore. We're creating. That. Love that. We are no longer battling. We are creating. And how different would the world be if we, if we allowed ourselves to, to sit in that place of creativity, of growth, of possibility? Really, it becomes legacy, right? It becomes the thing that you think, gosh, I wish I could do. But if money is looking for me, it means I just need to put into action a few things and I'm going to figure this out. and. I can do. So it moves from a a wish to an actual possibility. And money loves quick action. There you go. So because if you have quick action and you have an idea and it seems decent, you take some steps towards that, like Mm -hmm. to uncover whether that's a good idea. So the more you take action, the more you figure out, nope, that's not. And you correct or you adjust. So you're more likely to fail forward versus being immobilized and can't even get your foot off the ground. So it forces movement and then course correct, course correct, course correct, because none of it is failure. It's all opportunity. Again, that abundant mindset. I love it. None of it is failure. It's it's failing forward. It's opportunity. It's learning and growing. And in the mm-hmm. process of learning and growing. So I'll liken it back to when little kids are learning to read right? They get their letters confused. They, you know, say cat is attack. They, um, you know, see spot run and spots not running. He's flying or he's doing something else. Um, and they, it takes them a while and they have to practice and practice and practice and they make mistakes and they, and they fall. Um, I won't say they fail, they fall and -hmm. they get back up and they keep going and we encourage them. You can do this. I believe in you. You know these letters. Let's sound it out, right? We give them all kinds of tools and strategies so that they can become independent readers. Well, money could be the same thing. You know, we Mm -hmm. have, you're right, stories that we tell ourselves, the things that hold us back. Perhaps it's generational trauma. Perhaps it's generational fear. And and there is a lot of that. Um, Certainly, like your mom, most people's parents, I think, came from a generation of go to school, get the good job, get the pension, retire. You know, you put your 40 plus years in that kind of thing. Um, And then quickly we are learning that's not enough. It's not going to, it's not going to work out that way. So we need to have, you know, plan B, plan C, plan D, go through the alphabet. Um, And yet there's, there's very little in the way of what could plan B be and how do I do that? And where am I going to go with that? So there's some fear, excuse me, around that because that's not a known path and it's not predictable and it's not, I don't, I don't know what to do there. I don't know what skills I need. I don't know how to, how to do this. So it holds people back. Whereas if people and adults and women in particular around money would say things like, you know, okay, I have this vision for my children. I recognize that who I am, where I am right now, isn't going to make that happen. So I need to unpack the bags 
And then I need to take those suitcases and I need to fill them with some awesome things. Mm-hmm. And I need to put in them new skills, new tools, new strategies. I need to go learn that. And as I'm learning it, I'm going to make mistakes. It isn't going to be perfect. There's no lovely, perfect path through this lovely forest that you get to take. It's usually bushwhacking. <laughs> you got your machete and you're hacking away at the mm-hmm. tree in front of you. Like, I need to get past this thing. So we know them. Now here for me, I see is such a big gift. And you talked about this with your son. What if as you were packing your bags with all these cool things, you took your children with you? Mm-hmm. How about you take their suitcases out and you start packing those skills and tools and strategies in their suitcases too? So the bags they carry around with them are not heavy with the weight of fear, guilt, remorse, but are, you know, like carry on. You just walk on the airplane, right? They're light, they're easy, they're breezy. And your child can have, you can help set your child up for a really super successful life. You can get rid of that generational trauma. You can create new pathways and you can take your kids with you because they're, they're, they're learning from you, whether you like it or not. Usually it's the not part that we're like, "Mm, they picked up this thing and I'm not too happy about it. Or do I really sound like that when I speak to somebody (laughs) because they mimic you? Well, what if they start mimicking and taking into account those other behaviors? Um, And we know from research that they do. They pick up what's going on around them and they carry it with them. So what if we looked at it from that perspective? How exciting would that journey be? And when you fail, you have an opportunity to teach your child how to handle failure, how to handle a misstep, how to stumble and fall and get back up, dust yourself off and say, okay, I need to learn from this and move forward. That is such an incredible gift on multiple levels that you get to give your children so that they learn how to fall, how to take calculated and educated risks, how to brush yourself off, how to take a more, I don't know, scientific experimental approach to life and say, Mm -hmm. well, that didn't work. Now, what else can I do that might work? What can I try? And how do I feel about this? How much risk am I willing to take in trying this, right? And again, we set them up for such potential success because they have the tools, the skills, strategies moving forward to make better decisions probably than we ever would. (laughs) That's very true. You hit the nail on the head, Michelle, when you talked about being brave. Um, As women, we tend to be lean more toward older women, tend to be more towards perfection. And even some of our younger women, um, there was a study that just came out recently that talked about uh, young men will apply for a job with 40% of the skill sets and think that they, they're, you know, they're going to get it mm-hmm. where a woman has to have at least 80% of the skill sets before she even thinks she can apply for that same job. Oh. So if you understand that as women, we put so much effort in ourselves to, to do more, to be perfection. Uh, before we lean into it and say yes. So the conversation that you just had is so important for the female listeners is to be brave, not perfect. And that gets back to that failing forward. And if you, again, ideas are abundant. And, And I will say one more thing around that generationally, because each generation is smarter than the generation before it. So I have a 25 year old daughter and, um, she and her boyfriend have separate bank accounts. And then it goes into their joint account that pays their bills. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they each have their own money and then pay their bills. They have conversations around money all the time. They're saving for a house. 
And when I think of the power she has in that relationship versus abdicating it to her mate Mm -hmm. is I I think younger women can teach a a lot of us older women, a lot of things Mm -hmm. as to how to do it differently. And so I think that there's enormous hope as younger women step forward, claim their essence, know that they are enough and that they have more than enough skills to manage the money conversation because the money conversation needs to be changed from GDP, gross domestic product, uh, inflation and taxes and federal reserves to family and relationships and legacy. And what are the things that you're going to change to make it different? And how, and how will that impact you and your family and your grandchildren and those uh, not born yet? So, and you already pretty much generally handle the cash flow in the house and the debt management. So that's where it all starts. Have that conversation with your spouse or your mate as it relates to debt or cash and what, how much is in there and live below your means mm-hmm. and start saving regularly and put it on automatic pilot. And what happens is that you exercise that muscle, that saving muscle. And that saving muscle goes to an investing muscle. And then that investing, say all of a sudden you have $5,000 and all of a sudden that 5,000 turns to 25,000. And then that 25,000 turns into 50. You then know how long it took to get that 50,000 and you're going to spend more wisely because you knew what it took to get you to there. Mm-hmm. And you'll be more thoughtful and deliberate to make sure that it's consistent with what your values are. That is so profound. What an extraordinary conversation we've had today. I just absolutely adore you, Kim. And um, I, I, the way that you, you're a breath of fresh air around money. When you talk about it, it's so enthusiastic. I, you know, I feel like saying to my husband tonight, I like money. Let's talk about how we can make more. Um, well, right? that's the conversation we should have. There's nothing wrong with saying you love money. You said like, but say love mm-hmm. and treat it with respect and treat it like a relationship. Mm, that's powerful. because it needs you mm-hmm. to be anything. So if you show it respect and treat it with care and talk about it, then all of a sudden that stigma evaporates because mm-hmm. remember money is looking for you. I love that. Um, and you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be brave about it. Also love that comment too. Um, So I would imagine, Kim, that like me, there's going to be people in our audience who absolutely want to reach out and connect with you. What's the best way for them to find you? Uh, Kim, uh, I'm on YouTube. I do a lot of videos on topics that are just in time topics. So Kim Curtis, YouTube. Um, And then also my Instagram is uh, Kim Curtis Legacy. I love that. And then your aging parent checklist, you've given us the link for that. So that will be in the show notes. So folks, if you've got, uh, if you've got parents, uh, there's one sad reality around aging. And that is that it is happening to all of us from the day you are born. (laughs) The only thing that happens is that we get older. So it's a really good idea if you have parents or your mate or friends have parents to get that checklist and start looking through it and really send it to your parent and say, look, maybe we should have a conversation about this. Have a conversation with your partner about this. If you don't have that information about your own partner, again, you know, we don't know what the world holds for us today or tomorrow and things can change in a heartbeat. So the more prepared we can be in those aspects of our lives, the better. Now, again, you're hearing this podcast, you're probably really enthused. So 
the people you're talking to will not have heard this maybe and may not be prepared for the conversation. So broach it gently. (laughs) And so that people can have a chance to adjust to the conversation. (laughs) Um, And then you'll find that they'll probably be a little more receptive to it. But, you know, send this information to your parents and say, look, we hadn't, we've never talked about this. Maybe we could have a conversation about it. Maybe they've been waiting to have that conversation with Mm. you and they don't know how to bring it up either. And so take the checklist, download it, email it off to your parent, to your, to have a discussion with your partner. If you are, um, if your kids are older or adult children, maybe you want to have that discussion with your children and start the conversation early. Um, I think it's such a great thing to do. And that will be in the show notes. Uh, But do tell us, Kim, how can people find it? Yeah. Financial literacy press dot com financial literacy press.com the aging parent checklist is there for free and we also have the 10 laws of money every investor should know an excellent excellent piece as well perfect so folks if you're driving don't try to write that down no distracted driving um it'll be in the show notes look it up a little bit later later i highly encourage everybody to go check this out it is worthwhile to take a couple of hours out of your life to start this process because you will not regret it as you get older and as things go haywire and, and should anything happen to a parent or a spouse, then you have some things already dealt with that in the emotion of those moments, you don't have to deal with. So I highly encourage people to be proactive that way. Kim, this has been such an enjoyable and enlightening conversation today. I've learned a lot. I can't wait to get my hands on your books. That will also be in the show notes so that people can find them too, um, to have a read through those things and to continue our discussion again in the future. Thank you so much for being here and really shedding some light on how women can step into our own power, how we can unpack the bags we've carried around and pack them with new and extraordinary things for this grand adventure called life. Thank you so much again for being here and sharing your thoughts on how we can continue to create the best legacies possible. Such a pleasure. Mm. Thanks, Michelle. Does the thought of follow-up give you a foul taste? Do you find yourself wondering how you can ever stand out from the crowd, but need it to be easy and convenient? With a system like Send Out Cards, you can stay in touch and top of mind with only a few keystrokes. People's inboxes might be full, but their mailboxes are empty. Reach people literally where they live, work, or play, and watch the warm fuzzies go to work for you. See the show notes for a link where you can send your first card on me. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share it with a friend. Together, we can inspire more people to start living their legacy too. And let's keep the conversation going. We would love to hear all about your journey in living your legacy and support you along the way. Join our Facebook community, Living Your Legacy Podcast, where we connect, collaborate, and celebrate each other. Can't wait to see you there.